We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukumski, uh, and I have with me Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark, coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church, uh, where I serve as pastor in beautiful South St. Louis. And I'm not serving anybody. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just an old retired guy. Uh, uh, although now that's wanna... not true, John. You're <laughs> filling in here and there well, and everywhere, from what I understand. That, that, that's what I was going to say. Thank you. You're in me. demand as a preacher. To Tim Miller in, in New Minden, who's actually over in Africa, even as we speak, over there spreading the gospel, oh, over wow. in Ghana, uh, and uh, our Ghana. I think it's Ghana. <laughs> Shoot. I really should look this stuff up before I start talking. Africa's a big place. It's over it's there somewhere. Place. Somewhere somewhere in the continent of Africa. And so, yeah, I'm filling in for him for the next couple Great. of weeks. So that's fun to do. It's fun to get back into the pulpit. However, before we go any further, Matt, this is our final episode before the season of Lent begins. So we need to squeeze in a, a lot of bad jokes because, you know, we don't usually do <laughs> bad jokes. That's our, We give something up for Lent, and it's bad jokes. Uh, so here they are, really quick. Uh, what's green, fuzzy, and if it fell out of a tree, it would kill you? I don't know, John, what? A pool table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would do you got one. You got one, Matt? Yeah, sure, I got one. I, I like this one. Uh, I, I threw a boomerang years ago, and now I live in constant fear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You, never you better watch out because it'll be coming back on you. <laughs> I, I like this one. Women only call me ugly until they find out how much money I make. Then they call me ugly and poor. <laughs> that is the story. That is my life story wrapped up in that joke. <laughs> All right. All right. We, got, we have time we got for one, one more. more Matt? Yeah. Okay. This, this, okay. This is probably is my favorite. Why do right. scuba divers fall backwards off the boat? Why, Matt? Why do they fall back? Because the if boat? they fell forward, they'd still be in the boat. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh boy. <sighs> you know, John, I think our I think we have our listenership increases during the season of Lent. And I think it might be because they know <laughs> we're be. giving up the bad it shows. That's right. Oh man, it's safe to listen now. Because otherwise, That's you know, right. they have to skip. They have to skip like the first five minutes. And sometimes it's hard to know how, how far because sometimes you don't skip far enough in and you still catch a joke like, what did zero say to the number eight? Nice belt. <laughs> think about that. Zero to number eight. Nice belt. Nice belt. Okay, we could also say that one. The first rule of Alzheimer's Club is don't talk about chess club, but we won't do that one because that one is even beyond our standards. We're going to get letters about that one. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's done. We finished that whole page. (laughs) We don't need to worry about that again. Thank heavens. But what we do want to worry about is uh, a story that, again, I I actually got to preach on because, like I said, I'm filling in for, for Pastor Miller. Uh, the story about, oh, oh, I'm sorry, before I do that, uh, real quick, uh, thanks to all the people who contacted us and was concerned about my my heart uh, condition, my catheterization, and everything came out clear. Uh, the bypass surgery I'd had four years ago is still 100%. There's no blockage at all. 
So I, I'm, I'm cleared. I can do whatever I want to do. I can run up and down steps. I can go play pickleball. And I wanted to say a special thank you to Becky, who actually sent me a little card and, and reminded me of this Bible passage. Um, Behold, the Lord comes with might. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 10. So uh, thank you to Becky. And, and uh, it is a relief to know that that's at least one thing I don't have to worry about. So anyway. Yeah. Well, thanks be to God, John. Yeah, thanks for sharing that good news. What a relief. And, and prayers answered, certainly. And, and you know, a, a thanks to that listener, too. Uh, even us pastors need to be reminded of God's promises sometimes, right? Uh, so that's fantastic. What yeah, exactly. Because we we worry. We worry like just everybody else worries. Sure. You know, you and, and uh, of course, the great comfort that I have is that the knowledge that God keeps on loving me and God's still in control, even when I worry. <laughs> that's that's the thing that I need to remember, that it's not like, oh, you're worried. Well, forget you. I'm going to go find somebody mm-hmm. to actually trust in me. You know, no, God is always faithful and he just continues to watch over and care for us, regardless of what our own emotional uh, condition might be. Um, so anyway, the, the story I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, is about uh, when Jesus casts out a demon uh, when he's in church on a Sunday morning. Did you have that text? <laughs> That's right. We did. We sure did. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I like how you brought that up, John. He's he's in the synagogue, and that's where this demon encounters him. Whoa, you know, what's going on here? So yeah, we have this in worship. Um, I didn't preach on it, so I'm very eager to hear what you have to say about it. Well, and I can see why you wouldn't preach on it, because, you know, we, we we're just wrapping up the season of Epiphany, and in Epiphany we have all these gospel lessons that, that remind us that Jesus is not just an ordinary man, not just the son of Mary and Joseph, but that he is also the son of God. And so these stories inevitably talk about his great power and might. And certainly there's no greater evidence that he is the son of God than the fact that the demons obey him, you know. But the problem is, I find in most of those texts, is they don't seem too practical. Uh, in your years of ministry, have you ever have you ever cast a demon out of anyone in the middle of your church service? No, I have not, John. <laughs> have you ever even seen a demon-possessed man in your church service? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So, see, it doesn't seem too practical. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, so why do you think it is that the demon possession was a really, really big deal uh, in the time of Jesus. In fact, uh, if you read in the Gospel of Mark, it says he cast out many, many demons, uh, whereas today, at least here, it may be different in some of the third world countries. I, I've got a good friend, Walter uh, Leambauer, who was pastor and came from Brazil, and he said there's a, a lot of demonology going on down there. But here in the United States, unless, unless of course, you're, you're publicizing The Exorcist movie— <laughs> There really isn't a lot of demon possession. Any idea why that might be, Matt? Yeah, I think I would say the devil wants to do whatever is going to to trick people, whatever is going to mislead people from the gospel, whatever is going to turn people's attention away from Jesus. That's what the devil's going to do. And and Matt might be different in different places, right? Um, In that time, in that place in the first century, for whatever reason, demon possession— it must have been a pretty effective way of distracting people from Jesus or misleading them when it came to understanding who Jesus is. Uh, but I think here in 21st century America, 
Uh, I think the bigger trick is to fool us into thinking that the devil doesn't exist at all, right? The demons, demons are just a myth. Uh, they're just a fairy tale, and uh, the devil is is not anything to be feared. And I think that's that that's a very effective too, right? Because if if we're not aware of the devil and his demons, then we're not on guard against them, like First Peter says, right? Resisting him, firm in the faith. Uh, so I think that's uh, I think I think Satan's pretty happy if we forget about him because <laughs> we're not on guard against them and and praying, uh, you know, in the Lord's prayer, deliver us from the evil one. So I, 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 yeah, I think that's a great insight, Matt. I, I mean, that's the thing. If we don't realize that he's got his fiery arrows <coughs> aimed at us, then then yeah. we probably won't worry about him. Uh, yeah. I, I remember that was one of the things Luther said. He said, if you only could see the fiery arrows that that Satan has aimed at you, you'd never question your need to go take the Lord's supper. Uh, yep. So I, I think you got a good point there. Uh, by the way, same thing with Adam and Eve, right? He didn't show himself as the devil, but he, he took on what seemed like a, a very innocuous form, just this little snake. Um, you know, the other thing, though, I was thinking too, Matt, you think maybe he felt like he needed to make himself more public in the days of, of Jesus? Because, you know, God usually is pretty hidden, too. Uh, God is actually working all kinds of—I was thinking about that. God's still healing people today. You know, that was another story we had where, where Jesus healed many, many sick. Not all, but many. And I think, well, he's still doing that. He's still doing that. But he keeps he keeps himself hidden as well. So maybe it was that, that God had made himself visible, that God showed himself in flesh and blood, that God out in the open was feeding thousands and calming storms and healing sick. And maybe the devil thought, hey, I need to show people that I'm powerful too. And so yeah. that's why he... He marshaled all of his forces mm-hmm, and started mm-hmm. possessing people, uh, which, of course, if that was the case, it was bad strategy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. All the more opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate his power, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, you think about that, though, John. I mean, you know, when we think back on the Old Testament, there's not really many accounts about demon possession, really, nope. you know, when nope. you think about nope. it. Um, but a uh, boy in the New Testament, the Gospels, it seems as though, I, I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying. Everything's coming to a head here, right? Uh, yeah. Jesus, the, the crisis come, the promise is fulfilled, and as Jesus' public ministry now begins, the devil's throwing everything at him that he can, right? And you have really this battle between uh, the kingdom of the world, right, and, and the devil is the prince of this world, and then Jesus bringing in the reign and the kingdom of God. And with every cast out demon, Jesus is ushering in that reign of God, uh, overcoming the reign of the devil again and again and again. And, uh, you know, the, the devil keeps throwing things at him. But, but yeah, in the end, it's an opportunity for Jesus to just, yeah, expand the reign of God uh, by healing the sick, uh, giving sight to the blind, and certainly casting out demons. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought in the healing of the sick there, too, because I, I think we need to realize, again, in terms of the devil hiding himself, uh, it's not only the devil when a, when a person might be possessed by a demon, which of course yeah. we don't see that. But but when yeah. when when illness comes, that that's the devil too. You know, God doesn't cause illness, but the devil certainly is at the heart of of the sicknesses and illnesses, and in fact, of all the problems that are going on in the world like now, the the terrible yeah. wars that are going on, which make no sense to me at all. Why are we killing each other? Couldn't there be some some peaceful way of dealing with this? But yeah, he he's at the he's at the root of all these things. Um, yeah, well, I think it's a good yeah, I think it's a good point, John. Just because we don't you know see that demon possessed person in church, maybe right? Yeah. That doesn't mean the devil's not 
active in our world today. And I exactly when we see the evils that take place, and I think of things like human trafficking and all sorts of stuff, um, oh, where yeah. boy, Satan is certainly <laughs> uh, active in our world today. Might not be through demon possession in the United States, maybe it's but but it's certainly by other means. Yeah, good yep. point. There's no doubt he's he's alive and well. Although again, uh, the whole emphasis of the scripture is. In every instance, in every instance, Jesus overcomes the devil. Now, now we shouldn't take him on, that's for sure, because we wouldn't have a chance in hell against him, literally. But, but, but Christ, and we'll see that in the story that that Jesus is the one in control. But also, I, I want to take this story, and and I think it also points to something that Jesus is doing in your church service and the church services I've been preaching at. Uh, we may not have cast out demons, but in a way, Jesus has actually done something even more powerful than that. But if, as we look at the text, I'll, I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. If you've got your gospel open there, your Bible, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. I should have told you this before we started, Matt. No, I got it. I'm ready to okay. go, John. Ready to roll. Here we right. go. So uh, why don't you just, let's just read the whole story, and then we can go back and talk about it. It runs from verse 21 through verse 28. Okay. And they went to Capernaum, uh, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. Come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So as I was wrestling with this text to, to see what does it have to say to me, how does it apply? Because again, like I said, I've never seen a demon man in church, unless I've seen a demon possessed man get the demon cast out. Uh, and the first thing I noted, did you notice that, that that Mark doesn't call it a demon? He doesn't say the man is possessed by a demon. An did, unclean did, did, spirit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, the the word unclean there uh, is is uh, a catharsis, a catharsis. Uh, and I bring that up because we've actually taken that word catharsis in, into the English language. Uh, what 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 does catharsis mean, Matt? Cathar- uh, c- like uh, uh, something like a, a comforting thing, if uh, right, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The psychiatrist, psychologist, they talk. They talk about a guy who has had a catharsis, and essentially, whatever it was was troubling him has been has been the, the monkey's been taken off his back. That, yeah. That's that's the that's the technical medical terminology. <laughs> the monkey's no longer on his back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, see, I was trained in in in, in, in psychology, so that's I, I know all these fancy terms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, if if they're depressed, they're they're feeling at peace. If they were sure. an alcoholic, they're not drinking themselves drunk. If they're drug addicts, they're not taking uh, uh, drugs anymore. A catharsis. That's what it means. You're you're kind of. Well, that's right. That the the evil spirit is out of you now. Uh, however, the the point here is this is a catharsis, which is the Greek way of saying no or not. So the monkey is still on this guy's back. That that that's the idea there. 
Um, and, and see, that's what it dawned on me. I, I don't think I'm possessed by a demon, although I suppose there are people that listen to this show and hear our bad jokes and wonder. <laughs> but 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 uh, uh, and see, that's why demon casting out demons wouldn't help me. But but because the problem is, I've got something inside of me that's part of me. You can't cast it out. It, it's this this sinful flesh of mine, and it is it is definitely a catharsis. It is definitely unclean. Uh, I'll give an example, and if you want to, you can give an example. But we know you're holy and pure, Matt. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, so I find myself, I find myself looking at a good-looking woman, you know, a good-looking some twenty-five-year-old co-ed or something, and there's like this voice that whispers in my ear and says, "Wow, wouldn't wouldn't that be? Wouldn't she make a wonderful wife? Wouldn't you love to be married to her?" And by the way, <clears throat> since Lynn is probably listening to this, you know, Matt, there is no more beautiful woman in the world than my wife, Lynn. I think you yeah. need to know that. Yeah. I, but, yes, I understand, John. <laughs> yes. But there is this, this unclean spirit that whispers into me that maybe a 25-year-old might be better than a 70-year-old. I don't know. So do, do you ever have voices like that whispering to you, Matt? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, yeah. Of course, of course, of course, right? You know, and I mean, whether it's lust or pride or envy or discontent. Well, you know, look at that. Look at their new car, right? You know, I wish, oh, I wish I had that car. Right? You know, discontent. You know, um, coveting. All those things again and again and again. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you say that you. I could spend the whole rest of our time just talking about those. I, I think about when somebody does me wrong, and right away the voice says, you know what, that that's not right. You should be angry about that. You have a reason to be angry about that. In fact, not only should you be angry, you should even the score, you know, are the one that the one and, 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 and you know this because you just witnessed it over the last few weeks and are, are working together. And the other one is the one that keeps whispering and says, why do you trust God? Look at this. Yeah. you got a heart condition. Look at this. Sure. you you got uh, all kinds of medical problems yep. going on. If God loved you, why would, why would he allow that stuff to happen? So that, that, that voice that says, I should doubt God. Why do you even bother to pray to him? So, so here's the thing I noticed was interesting. If you look back at the text, Matt, you will notice that when Jesus rebukes this unclean spirit, he doesn't simply say, come out of him, which in my case won't help. I can't get rid of that stuff. I would love to get rid of those, those voices, those unclean voices within my sinful flesh, but I, I won't. I can't. But what else, what else did Jesus say to the demon? Be silent. Yeah. Um, be muzzled. Shut your mouth up. That's what it says. And and I realize that's what Jesus is telling me. Don't don't listen to those voices because they're all liars. Uh, uh, even though I'm not demon-possessed, ultimately all this stuff comes from the devil and he's the father of lies. But then it dawned on me that that's not enough. Because <laughs> remember what Jesus said? You cast out a demon, he wanders around for a while, and he gets seven others and comes back. <laughs> yeah. Um. And isn't that true, Matt? Even when we, by our own efforts, try to silence those those voices, we might silence them for a little while, but then all of a sudden they come back all the stronger. Everyone out there who's listening to us who's ever struggled with addiction will tell you that. Oh, man, you think you've overcome it, and then all of a sudden it just comes back a hundred times worse. But 
here's the thing. This is what struck me about this text that, that says this is what's going on in your church this coming Sunday. This will actually happen in your church this coming Sunday. What did Jesus come for? Why did he come to the synagogue? What did it say at the beginning of our text? Uh, let's see. Um, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's doing. He's teaching. Uh, and in fact, what's striking in this text is twice it says he is teaching with authority. Yeah. Um, do you do you do you have any idea what that means to teach with authority? This is something I did not know until I was studying this text. But 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 do you do you know what the the, the nuance of the word authority is there? Well, I mean, it's in contrast to the scribes, right? Oh, yeah. yeah um, so yeah, you have the yeah. scribes who, boy, they would have been looked at as the authority, right? You know, the scribes would be experts in the law and experts in, in the Torah. And Jesus' authority is, is greater than them. And I think part of it, at least, isn't just, you know, well, this is what this is what the Old Testament says. This is what the Torah says. This is what the, the, well, the law says. But, you know, this is what, what I say. You know, it's not just, you know, this is— speaking for God, but he, Jesus is God, right? And as he speaks, this is the word of God. And there's, the people notice, there's, there's something different about this guy. So, so here's the difference, and you're right, because he's not just talking about the scriptures, but he's actually speaking the very word of God himself. So there's a story in the Bible about a Roman centurion, and he has a servant who is ill, and he sends a messenger to Jesus and says, Jesus, I know you can't come to me. I understand that, that you can't do what you usually do, which is go lay your hands on people. And I understand you can't come and lay your hands on my servant because I'm a Gentile, you're a Jew, and of course that would make you unclean. I understand that's your, your people's teaching. But, he says, you know, I'm a man of authority. That's what the centurion says. I'm a man mm-hmm. of authority. Yep. And I, I tell my servant to go, and he goes. I tell my servant to return, and he returns. So, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Uh, and, of course, Jesus remarks that he's not seen such faith in, in all of Israel. But, but see, that's the definition of authority. It's when you say something, it's going to happen. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, the uh, uh, problem with our politicians is they say a lot of stuff, but you never know whether it'll happen or not. Happen. Uh, but but Jesus speaks with authority, which is to say, whatever he says, that's what's going to take place. Now, I, I'm not a psychic, so I do not know what you did this last Sunday. Uh, do, do you start your worship with confession, Matt? Yeah, the invocation, then confession, absolution, yes. Yeah, and so, so see, that's what I'm asking, because there's two ways you can do it. You can just have kind of a general confession, then you have a general comment about how God loves and cares for us. But then there's also a way of doing the worship where you specifically say what, Matt? Yeah, I forgive you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? As I called an ordained servant of the Word. Yep, in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, and and see what what people need to realize. If people say, "Oh, I don't know why I'm going to church. I could I should stay home and watch the football game," which, by the way, you won't be able to do after after tomorrow because the football games are all over. So that's no excuse anymore, people. <laughs> As a valiant Chiefs fan, I can understand that. But there will be no more Chiefs games after tomorrow. Uh, um, but but the point is, is we come in and we confess we're all wrestling with these unclean spirits, and and you. Tell us, Jesus tells us your sins are forgiven. And I think it's just remarkable. We need to note that it's done. It's accomplished. 
Because what Jesus says, he speaks with authority. And as soon as he says your sins are forgiven, then then they are done. They, they are forgiven. Um, and, and it's not to say we won't still wrestle with those unclean spirits. Uh, because they're still there. They're still in our flesh. But, but you can just say to that spirit, well, just shut up. Because I'm forgiven. And, and, and you know what? Um, if, if you listen to the voices, there will be consequences. I was thinking if I, if I look at that, that good-looking gal and I listen to those voices and I go up and pinch her, I'm going to get slapped, Matt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and rightly and, and, so, and all, John. And Come on. So. And, and my wife assures me that she won't hit me, but I'll probably be sleeping on the couch for a while. <laughs> if, if I give in to the voice that says I should try to get even with my brother, I'm sure he'll hear the same, the same unclean voice, and, and then I won't have a brother. I'll have an enemy. And, and if, I, if I give in to the voice that says I should doubt God, then I'll probably be like I have been over the last few weeks. I'll be worried and frightened. Although, of course, the cool thing is God won't be any different, will he? He'll still be the same God that loves and cares for me and suffered and died that I might be forgiven. Um, and on the flip side of the coin, when, when we listen to that voice of Jesus, that voice that says, yeah, I love you, you're forgiven. Well, heck, maybe I might hug my wife and love her the way Christ has loved me. And, and maybe instead of getting even with my brother, I'll forgive him. And, and maybe I just might even start having a little more trust in God day to day. Well, that that was my sermon for last Sunday. Uh, what what thoughts do you have, Matt? Well, I think yeah. What voice do you listen to, right? Do you listen to the voice of the unclean spirit within us, or do we listen yeah. to the authoritative voice of God that says, "You are forgiven, right? You are mine." You know, the voice that was spoken at our baptism, the voice that we hear in absolution, um, the voice we hear in the Lord's Supper again and again and again. And uh, what a, what a blessing for us as pastors to be able to. To, to voice that with our own mouths, right? Uh, all in the stead and, and for the sake of Christ. Um, and yeah, another thing that came to me with John was just uh, the words of Psalm 51, you know, how it talks about uh, create a, a right spirit or a new spirit within me, right? Uh, thinking about this unclean spirit in us, you know, renew this new spirit within me. And it's, as you pointed out, it's not us who are creating that new spirit, but, but that whole psalm is addressed to the Lord. You know, it's only by him. Are we renewed? Are we made right? Is there a, a right spirit uh, within us? And, and you know what's really neat, Matt? Man, what a, what a nice thought. Because that's often what we sing after the sermon, isn't it? That that offer yeah. story about renew a right spirit. Uh, and, and see, that's the point. That's what I want everyone to listen and understand. You think it was powerful that in the synagogue Jesus cast a demon out of a man? Well, that was powerful. I'm not denying it. The demons even obey him. But do you understand that in our weekly church services, he does something even more profound? Because he says to all of us that you're loved and you're forgiven. And it is. That's what's happened. That's the truth. That's the fact. And as you said, Matt, that's going to create a new spirit within us. Uh, Oh, we'll still wrestle with the old unclean spirits. There's no doubt. But you're right. There's this whole new thing that God has given us. And he he did it in that church service. That happens. It's going to happen this coming Sunday morning. Uh, Jesus will be there and he'll speak his word. And, well, that's the thing. His word is spoken with authority. But he says it happens and we will be forgiven. Um, Matt, you got 10 seconds. How is always do you with 10 seconds. <laughs> you know, Jesus' fame spread after that, and we, we want to spread Jesus as well, right? Not, not just as a miracle worker, but as a sin forgiver, a spirit restorer through his dying and rising. Uh, let his name be known.
Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store.